Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge Church is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor John McDougall. team and thanks church family for being here today and as we celebrate 53 years of God's faithfulness I just we need to call a quick time out family huddle and I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness God's grace is flowing through you each one of you who are a part of our church family as you just do what he's called you to do share life together and even this morning as it's cold outside, we gather in here as followers of Jesus Christ to encourage each other. And it means a lot, doesn't it? Just to, to huddle up, to, uh, to know we have each other's back, to be praying for each other. Thank you for praying. Thank you for loving like Christ. Thank you for leading where God's called you to lead. Thank you for the ways that you've served. Thank you for your, being generous with your life. And thank you for following him together here at Westbridge. And I believe the best is yet to come for us as a church family. This year we've been praying the prayer, Lord, would you make me a blessing? And then out of that prayer we realize our capacity to go be a blessing to the people around us really hinges on the health of our heart. Purify is what we're, we're asking the Lord to do as well. Would you let our hearts beat with a pure love? And I just, that song captured it. And then to hear us singing that song together, Lord, take everything. Purify really boils down to eliminating what's not pure, doesn't it? And it's, it's surrender. And so today we're going to be getting into a, a, a text that it's at the heartbeat of, of the Purify series. But before we do, I would just like to celebrate a couple Go Bless highlights. As we're praying, make me a blessing. God's answering that prayer in so many ways that I, we don't have time to, to get into them all, but just to share a couple, just from this last week, I found out that Brian and Mindy Duckett recently empty nest home. Their kids are all flying fly the nest. They found out that there were three kids that needed a home, and for a, a period of time, they took them into their home. They're back with their mom now. But it was just like, that's what a, an incredible blessing to a group of kids and to a mom who was struggling. She had just had a, a baby sheltering wings took care of her but they the kids needed a place to go and Brian and Mindy said we'll do that and I love that that picture the uh Ken Ken Grenlock was here he, he uh helps with our van transportation ministry on Sundays but he was here a, lot, a couple weeks ago volunteering with the band just cleaning it out and he was taking it down to get it fueled up at the gas station and he notices it on his way that there's a, a shed on fire and so he calls 911. He's also a, a trained firefighter, so he pulls in, evacuates the family. There was uh, three kids, an infant, two adults, and as the firemen pull up to, you know, put the flames out, the family needs somewhere to go. So Ken's like, I got a van, and it's warm. And so they spent the duration of that event in our church van. Here's a guy waking up praying, Lord, make me a blessing. He came to bless us, but was willing to be interrupted to be a blessing to a, to a family in their time of need. And then last week, as Dottie Clearwater went home to be with the Lord, one of our, our saints, one of our widows, that uh, God called her home. But on that journey home, it was overwhelming to see the ways you all, many of you cared for her 
from our shut-in ministry, which Eva Hintergart leads, where a group of 20-plus of you go out various places throughout the week just to care for those who can't get out anymore. And you were loving on Dottie through, the, uh, through her final days. But then that Sunday that I announced that Dottie was in the hospital probably for the last time, Daryl got the nudge from the Lord, go sing over Dottie. And Dottie loves, loves uh, Daryl singing our, the hymns and what have you. And there in her hospital bed, he brought church to her. And what a gift. Her family mentioned how much that meant to her. And then on Thursday as the, the visitation and funeral were here, um, watching her small group show up and just provide snacks in the, in the room for the family. And then after the funeral, a, a group of you providing the uh, funeral dinner for the family just to gather back here. Our staff just stepping up to, to fill in the gap wherever needed. And I, I went away that, drove home that night just saying, Lord, you're doing it. Like, we're praying that, that this little community of faith would be an outpost of heaven here in this cold, dark world, and it's happening. And it's happening through you. And as we just pray, Lord, make me a blessing. Give me a heart that beats with pure love for you and for the people around me. God does what he does. And it's not all on any one of us, is it? It's as we just all pick up the peace that God gives us, and it happens. And he gets all the credit, but we get the joy of being a part of it. There's no greater force for good on planet Earth than the body of Christ. And when the church is healthy, step back darkness, right? We're coming at it. And I, I was picturing the, uh, we're number 53. It's easy to remember our, our anniversary. We got it wrong a couple years ago. But we line it, it's the Super Bowl year. Whatever the Super Bowl is, that's the year that we're, we are as a church. And so, what, what's the 50s? What's the 50s in football terminology? Linebackers, right? Brian Erlacher, Mike Singleton. Who else? Give me another. Lawrence Taylor. And what do linebackers do? They put a hit on it. And we're bringing a hit on the forces of darkness by God's power, but bringing good where there's, where there's hurt. So, the uh, thank you for the part that you're playing. And could we, this is messing with our, our uh order of service, but God's adding teammates, and Rick and Fran Jones are jumping onto our team, putting on the team jersey as members. Rick is actually, he's actually been a member since day one, and so fitting we bring him on, or, or uh, he's already a member, but uh, back 53 years ago, the Jones family helped launch this church, and Rick is a servant. He just serves wherever needed, and with a smile, and really neat guy. In fact, to, right now, they're back in the fifth and sixth grade. Loving on our kids, and Rick said, our job is to take that, we find that one kid who's, who's uh, has a little more energy, and, and we hang out with him, <laughs> and they love it, and so appreciate their ministry. Uh, Fran is, um, among other things, is one of the ladies that sits around Rosalie Wilson's kitchen table on occasion, and just encourage each other in the Word of God, is, and I just love um, what she brings. She re they were recently married, and Fran, neat story came to Christ as an uh, early on, eight, eight years old at a Billy Graham event. Her mom and dad both loved the Lord. Her dad was a pilot in the Air Force. Her mom, a, a gifted singer that sang all over the place. But God used her dad's devotion to chair time or reading the Bible daily to really impact Fran's walk with God. And then her mom's songs she used. But Fran uh, graduated from Wheaton, was baptized, went into a, a uh, career in the military following her dad. I don't know if I should be telling you this, 
but um, she served for many years in Jerusalem in intelligence. So she knows people. Don't mess with her. <laughs> she asked her what she, what she did, and she can't really tell you, but she is one tough woman. But, uh, but also um, just incredible heart for God, but also for people of the, um, for the nation of Israel. And she w- volunteered in ministries to bring the gospel to Jews who are still looking, many of them still waiting for the Messiah. And they're in Jerusalem. She was involved in leading um, the uh, nation, people of Israel to Christ. And so really neat to uh, have her on the team and, and excited for them. So if you see them today, welcome them. But uh, let's go ahead, we'll pray and then dig into the text. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to gather in your presence today to, uh, as a, a faith community brought together by your grace in the name of Jesus, living our lives for your glory. And Lord, I, as we come before you today, or we uh, first just want, want to confess the ways that, that we have not been faithful to follow you. Forgive us for our sin. Thank you for the forgiveness that we have in Christ, and I pray that you would cleanse us and control us, purify our hearts, Lord, and I thank you for the, uh, the gift of the cross through faith in Jesus that we can come to you and seek forgiveness. Lord, we honor you today as the provider of all good things, the giver of all good gifts, and as we look back on 53 years of your faithfulness to you, we, we pr- faithfulness to us, we praise you for that. Thank you for the faithful servants who have been a part of this church family over the years. Lord, we do ask as we uh, turn to your word now that you would just ignite us, inform us, and ignite us to do your will. We thank you for the ways that you are faithful to do that. And so we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you're just joining us today, we're in this journey of, we're, we're calling it Purify, it's really at the heartbeat of our, our entire ministry year this year, and we're praying, Lord, would you purify our hearts to be like Christ? And you sum that up, and it's to live with a, a pure love for God, for those around us. The uh, last week we took, the, or two weeks ago, we took the first step in the purify process. Ten steps that we're taking. The first was that uh, we would pray, begin praying, and pray the book, specifically the book of Psalms, but praying God's word, that last week we took that step of, of confession, and Psalm 32 was where, where, where we were studying, and just that reality that confession is the pathway to intimacy with God. So when we feel the, the pain of conviction, we know something is not right in our relationship with God, rather than run from Him, we run that path of confession to Him, re-enter intimacy with Him, and He purifies our hearts in that process. Well, today we come to step three, and as we come to this step, I I can't help but quote a familiar motivational quote that's heard in many a locker room, and it's this, every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up and knows it must outrun the fastest lion or it will become breakfast. And every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up and knows that it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. So whether you're a gazelle or a lion, When the sun comes up in Africa, you best be running. 
To which one coach says, I have no idea what all that means, but I'm fired up to run. <laughs> and so here's our third step, you guys. Step three in the purify process is this. Run with endurance. Eliminating and looking. Eliminate and look. Today, we are going to look at a, a passage of Scripture that God has given us where he takes the metaphor of a race to both equip us but also ignite us or inspire us in our faith journey and in this purify process. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3 is where, where we'll be hanging out. So if you would join me there. This is the culmination, though, really, of a thought that started back in chapter 10. And by the way, the book of Hebrews, if you haven't been in this book for a while, is so rich. And it was written for people who were coming out of the, the Jewish Judaism, really, and so you're struggling with this idea of, okay, I have the law of Moses, but now we're following Jesus. How do these two fit together? And the, the author is really showing us everything in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. And he is so much better in every category. And there are bits of scripture throughout this book that are just so rich. I'll, one of them I just have to share with you in chapter 9 that leads up to, to chapter 12. It says this. Verse 27, just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and will appear a second time, not to, to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Isn't that awesome? Just, just nutshelling the gospel and our call to receive him by faith, but then to look ahead, to, he's coming back. Maybe today, not to bear sin, but rather to, to bring us the salvation that we're waiting for. And then it goes right into chapter 10, where it says the law, the law of Moses, is only a shadow of the good things that were coming, not the reality themselves. And then he explains, you know, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, it was insufficient. You had to keep sacrificing. But Christ came and did his sacrifice was a once and for all. It was good to take away sin for everyone who believes, and he sums it up there in verse thir uh, 14 where he says, For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And the reality is, you see here, when we come to faith in Christ, when we trust Christ as our Savior, we're declared righteous before God. Our sin is forgiven, and we're right before him. But, but he says, those who are being made holy... We begin a process of becoming like him. It's, we call that sanctification. And this is the divine human cooperative in this purify process where God will do his part and has already done his part and is working in us. But we have a part to play. There's something that we need to do, and that's why these steps are so important. It is possible to not become pure as God has called us to be pure. We can quit on it and miss the life that God calls us to live and the good that he calls us to do. And so, sums it up right there. But then in, in um, verse 19 is really where th this thought that leads into chapter 12 begins where he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts. And then let us, um, he says, hold unswervingly to this promise that we have this hope that we have, and then let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then he starts to warn us. He says, guys, don't drift. 
from the Lord. And there's some pretty severe warnings that come out of the book of Hebrew meant to, to propel us to follow hard after Christ. And then he says, okay, here's how we live by faith. Hebrews chapter 11. And you know the, he, he talks us through, this is what faith is. It's being sure of what we hope or certain of what we do not see. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And then he starts listing the, these people who lived by faith. Noah and Abraham and Moses. And, and what was unique about each one of these people? Were they great humans? <laughs> no. The, these are not people who, who had it all together. These are people who were like us, broken, sinful people. But the one thing that drew them all together was they held on to the promise of God. And when they held on to his promise, he was faithful to them. And it meant letting go of the life they had. And that's what brings us to chapter 12. He says, all right, with all of this in view, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, he says, therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The central imperative in this text is, back up to verse 1, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here God is calling us to run. He's remind, picturing our life is a race, and, and the way that we're to, to hit this thing is like we're, we're running it. We're not jogging. We're not walking. There's an urgency. Let us run this race. We're all in it. It's something that, that we share together. It's interesting. It's a race that's been marked out for us. It, God in his providence and in his sovereignty has marked out a path unique to each one of us. We each have a, a unique path that we're running, but we're all in the race. And here he's saying, run to endure. Run with perseverance. Now, when, when he says run with endurance, what's he assuming? We'll have a reason to quit. It's going to be hard. There's going to be pain. There's going to be uphill points in this race when we'll want to collapse but he says run with endurance I love the idea that that the will of God for you and me is that we will finish our race that we will run it well the reality is though that it will de demand endurance I think most of us would say today and for sure everyone showing up today coming out in these conditions I'm you know I'm preaching to the choir you guys are this is core right? And uh, you're here because you're, you're wanting to follow Christ. And I think we'd all say, we want that. I, I want to run with endurance. I want to persevere. But how? How does that happen? And in this text, we see two answers to this question, which you can sum up in two words. Eliminate and look. Eliminate and look. They form two moves that, that we'll be challenged to make today. Run with endurance as first move. We eliminate what's slowing us down. We see this in verse 1 where he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. How will you run with endurance when you hit your hard point in your life, in this faith journey? And it's, it's going to demand eliminating 
what's, what's slowing you down. Hear God saying, toss it, jettison it, get rid of it, throw it off. Whatever is creating drag as you seek to, to live, follow Christ, be a fully devoted follower of Christ, living a life of love. I was thinking about a race. I'm sure we've all run a race, right? You know, whether it was grade school or, or whatever, we've all been in a race. So, okay, this is where we'll have team time. Anyone who's feeling led to share, you can come up and share, all right? We have to keep it quick, like 60 seconds. But are you remembering a time in your life when you were in a race and you, you were just running that thing to win it and you, you threw something? You had to get rid of something, right? It's like, I'm going to get rid of this. This is, uh, it's gone. And you, you tossed it. Anybody? I want to come up and share 60 seconds. This is fun. We're just family today. Come on, anybody? Okay, here we go. I'm counting this down. Five. Come on. Come on up. Four. Somebody filling it. This will, it'll be memorable. Say it's not that big a deal. We'll remember you coming up and sharing it. It'll stick. So, five. My, you guys have heard all my stories. They're boring. We want to hear your story. Four. Three. Two. Nobody? All right. <laughs> we can share in our, our groups. I'll, I'll share mine again then. But the moment that always comes to my mind when I see this verse is um, the joy of running that first marathon in Chicago. It was, and the sun was just coming up. It was about 34 degrees outside, so I'm sweatshirt on. But right before the race, you have this street full of thousands of runners. We're down to the last five minutes, and the disturbing thought hits me. What am I going to do with my sweatshirt? I'm going to get hot, and I don't want to run with this thing on. What am I going to do with it? And I had not done this before, and I'm thinking about that all the way down to where the starting gun sounds, and just before, as that's sounding, the sky fills up with clothing, excess. And, and then I knew, without a second thought, I'm tossing my sweatshirt with joy, letting it go. Why? Because I'm running a race. Only later did I realize most people had a friend they were throwing their clothes to. <laughs> but uh, when we realize I, I've got a race to run, and this is excess weight, we jettison it. We get rid of it. And that's the picture that God has for us here. So what's he call us to eliminate? There are two el eliminatables. We see two categories of elim eliminatables in this text. The, one is the good things that are slowing us down. We see this in the, the word, let us throw off everything that hinders us. These are the things that, that distract us, dilute our focus from the main thing. They're often something that was useful for a season in our life, but now we're in a new season or a new calling that God has put on our lives that we just need to, to let go of that, that, that good thing. It may be something that was around a relationship. I was talking with some friends yesterday and hearing their faith journey, and I was blown away by how the, she was using this very terminology. She, she said, in, a couple years ago, I, I had a relationship that, uh, right, she said, um, I was holding on to something that God wanted me to let go of, and I knew it. It was like for a year, she knew God wanted her, and so I said, you don't have to say, but could I ask you what that was? And she said, yeah, it was my boyfriend, and he wasn't going hard after Christ, and I knew in my heart I had to let go of that relationship, but it was so hard. She did, and I'm sitting there with uh, her fiancé, and I'm like, this guy, <laughs> amazing what God has provided for her. But it meant she had to let go of a good thing, but not the best that God had for her. Maybe a job that uh, is causing you to compromise, and it's, and it's your job, and it's tough. But, but to let go, maybe a hobby that's... Um, become more of a distraction, maybe a habit 
something that's holding you back, something you're holding on to that's holding you back from you, where you know where God wants you to be. These are, these are often good things that, that we enjoy, God's given us, but they become the main thing. They, they go out of focus or out of a balance a little bit where we just become consumed with them. And, and these are the things that we may for a season need, need to let go of. Social media, great example, all kinds of things come along with that. But what a gift God has given us with social media right now to be able to connect with each other. But can often become consuming, can it? And so I'm um, just thinking through that, that arena. The, uh, the best question, there, there's a question that's better than is it right or wrong? I, I love the, the best question. This is from Proverbs, Solomon. But what's the best question? It's not, is it right or wrong, but is it wise? Based on your hope and dream, and for us, it's to run with perseverance, this race that God has given us, to follow Jesus, fully devoted followers of Christ. Is this thing in my life, is it best? What's best? Not, is it right or wrong, but is this best? And so the question is, what is the one thing that it's holding you back? You're holding on to it. It's draining energy from the race that God has called you to run. Today it may seem like a little thing, but over, over time, it's that thing that if you hold on to it, it could lead to collapse down the road, drain energy from where God would, would be calling you. Over one of the, another picture of letting go of good things, things that bring us pleasure was in high school, we, we a group of us joined the freshman, we joined the track team as freshmen just as something to do, just fun thing to do. So Mr. Coach Bradshaw sent us out on a run down Mill Street, and as freshmen, we're like, yes, this goes right by our friend's house. Let's stop in and raid his snack cupboard and watch TV while the rest of the team runs down Mill Street, and then when they come back, we'll watch and we'll jump out there with them and, and, and stroll back into uh, school looking all strong. Well, this was a brilliant idea. And worked out well until our first track meet. <laughs> we had no endurance. In fact, one of the guys was black flagged, and, uh, which created some comedy, and, and we still laugh about that moment till, till today. But needless to say, did we continue that habit of pursuing pleasure over the discipline that was needed? No, we, we set aside our Twinkie stops, and uh, we threw that off as something that uh, a good thing, but, but not the best thing. The second category of eliminatables is the uh, category two. It's the trend that's, the sin that's tripping us up there in the second part of this verse. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. This is the, uh, an attitude or action that we, we know is wrong. We, we flat out know in, in Scripture God is clear that this is something that, that he's called us not to do. And it's the, uh, the verbiage here is it's that thing that keeps tripping us up. It's like it, it, it keeps occurring in our lives. For We all have a weak spot, right? We all have weaknesses in our lives that we struggle when we're tired or, or circumstances are such. It's that area that, that we just battle. And he's saying, keep in the fight. Often there's that tendency to say, you know what, this is just me, and I'm going to live my life tripping pretty much. You know, I'm just going to keep tripping over this. And here God's saying, no, 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 no. What a hope-giving command that this is where he says, that thing that keeps tripping you up, go to war on it and toss it. 
get rid of it. This is where we, uh, we say, okay, I'm not only going to resolve to change this, but I'm going to get at the root issue. And what's at the root issue of every sin? It's interesting in this context where he's calling us to live by faith. What's the root issue at every sin that trips us up? It's a lack of faith, isn't it? We're believing a lie that if I, take, if I go this direction, I can satisfy myself or I need to do this versus trust God. So what's the answer to every at the root? It's finding the truth that combats that lie and then believing that truth. So pick your whatever it is. Maybe it's fear, you know, or, or, or fear of people. So what do you do? You find the, the truth. Jesus said, if you will hold to my teaching, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so throwing off this besetting sin is really going to, to battle on it, saying I'm not just going to resolve to get rid of it. I'm going to re- renew my mind with truth. And where I, I'm tempted to believe a lie about what, what is right, what will be best, I'm going to believe the truth. Trust God with it and then allow him to, to lead me to run this race. How do we run with endurance the race that, that is marked out for us as we follow Christ into a life of love? Eliminate. Eliminate the good things that may be slowing us down. Eliminate the sin that, that trips us up. But the next move here is found in the second part of verse 1, as he says, and then into verse 2, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The second move is, is so good. This is where, okay, we've eliminated, but now we're looking at Christ. It's interesting. This is something we all know, right? But, uh, but so easy to allow our focus to drift into to other areas rather than just staying focused on him. But here God is calling us back into that sweet simplicity of just looking at Christ, fixing our eyes on Christ. This week during chair time, I was sitting at the, a stool in our kitchen, and on our fridge we have the, the disciple magnet where it says following Jesus together. And I was just looking at that magnet and felt that sweet freedom and the energy that comes with realizing, you know, amidst all this stuff in my life, I'm distracted by many things. The one thing, God's whispering, John, just follow me. Look to Jesus. Look at me. Just follow me. He, uh, he is to own our focus. It's interesting in this context, we've just gone through Hebrews chapter 11 where we have all these people like Noah and Abraham and, and yes, they have some parts of their lives that are good examples, but who are we called to look at? It's not Abraham. It's not Noah. It's not any other human. Who is to own our focus? It's one. There is one hero in this life, and it is Jesus Christ. And I love the picture of when we're looking at him, what happens? There's enduring power that flows out of our focus on him. We see it in Peter when Peter's in the storm. When was he walking on waters? He steps out of that boat, waves, wind. As he's focused on Christ, he's walking on water. But when does he start to sink like a brick when he takes his eyes off Christ? And as you look at the people who have gone before us, where did they get their energy, their enduring power? It was fixing their eyes by faith on on the Lord, claiming his promise and uh, staying focused on him. I love the way that David says it. In Psalm 16, verse 8, where he says, 
I keep my eyes always on the Lord, and with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And so we look to the Lord. I was thinking about the reality that as humans created in the image of God to enjoy God in the Garden of Eden, the one thing we were never created to look at was evil. Have you ever thought about that? The one thing that we were never created to, to look at was anything evil or the darkness created by evil. Right now, the, the, the uh, movie Bird, Bird Box is a bit of the rage, you know, and I don't want to spoil that movie if you haven't seen it yet, but one of the ideas is you're, the big goal in the movie was don't look at something, and so you wear blindfolds. As we do life, there's a lot of darkness around us, isn't there? A lot of evil. And the, the temptation is that we would focus on that, allow that. And when that happens, what happens to your endurance starts to, to fade. But as we look to Christ, now it is love. Maybe today, that's just what God's telling you is, hey, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Fix your eyes on me. Because what flows out of that? Endurance to run this race that he's called us to, to which we say, okay, I'll do that and I get that, but it's a little vague, isn't it? Uh, fix your eyes on Jesus. What, what part of Jesus do I look at? You know, do we look at him feeding the 5,000? Do we look at him at the Last Supper? What part of him do we, do we focus on? And it's neat in this text, he gives us three focal points to return to. The first is there in verse, verse 2 where he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The word pioneer carries the idea of the person that's out in front leading the expedition. So he's the one, he's the leader in this. He uses the word Jesus. Now, when you see the word Jesus, and we tend to fly right over that, but often in the New Testament, you, you'll see the word Jesus Christ, or if he starts with the word Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus emphasizes his royalty. Anytime you see just the word Jesus used in the New Testament, it may be pointing to his humanity and a focus on his humanity. Now, here's an interesting thought. Jesus came to show us how you live by faith as a human. He was fully human, right? Fully God, but fully human. So he exercised faith and shows us how to, how to do that. And so we watch that and, and, uh, as, as our leader. But it's also interesting where he adds the word, he's the perfecter of faith. Now, a couple ways to interpret this, some interpret this, and this is true, he's the author of our faith. God gives us our faith, and he brings our faith to completion. He develops it, right? I, after studying this this week, and you could disagree with me on this, either interpretation I think is up for grabs, but based on the context, I don't think that's the point of the text. I think what he's saying is Jesus not only is our example in leading it, but he's our example in how he finished it. Guys, can you finish your race? Yeah, because the power of Christ is beating within your heart. And look at him. And then let that encourage you. He's the author, he's the, uh, the leader or the pioneer and the finisher of faith. But then, so that's a focal point. We look to him, seeing him run this race. But then the second focal point is in verse 2 where he says, for the, jo for the, um, the pioneer perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its scorning it shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. As we think about our Lord and look to our Lord, 
Here, here he's calling us to, to notice his motivation. When Jesus was in his tough point of his race, what was fueling his soul? What was his passion? What was fueling his motivation? This is really cool. It was joy. And the joy of what? The joy of what the finish line, what was to come. Which was what? It was to please his father, to hear his father say, well done, to accomplish the work that the father had given him. But it was also to see you and me redeemed, rescued, enjoying eternity with him. That's a powerful image, isn't it? As Jesus is running through the cross, suffering the ways that he suffered, he had you on his mind, me on his mind, pleasing his father on his mind, and he's just locked in on the finish. Last year, our theme was hope, and it was with this idea, how do we run with endurance? It's those who hope in the Lord renew their strength. And what are we looking at? We're looking at the finish. We're not looking at this mess down here, especially when it's hard. We're looking at the joy of what's to come. And our Lord paves the way, shows us that example here. And then the third focal point we see is in uh, verse 3. He says, and the, the focal point is, watch him endure opposition. Verse 3 says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Again, that grow weary, lose heart is the picture of collapse. And the first word that he uses, consider, is one of those unique words. It's, this is the only time it's ever used in the New Testament. Only time, and it's the word from which we get our word, logarithm. And when I say logarithm, does anyone else feel the pain of calculus coming back to you? <laughs> My head just starts getting tired, because what, what's logarithm? It's, it's consider, like, think deeply. And how do we run with endurance? This is really cool. Think deeply about the opposition that our Lord went through. So I did this this week, and I encourage you to try it. Four times God records his, those moments of opposition. In John chapter 18 to 19, I went back and I just started reading. What would it be like to have a, one of your closest 12 friends walk up and, and betray you with a kiss, give you, betray you with a hug? This is my friend. And then get bound by these Roman soldiers, and to go through what he went through. He's sitting there with, in front of the high priest, John tells us, and the high priest asks him a question, and Jesus answers the question with a pretty legit, a legitimate response or not a disrespectful response, and gets slapped by the servant who uh, he created. Man, I, I'm reading this, and I'm hearing just a mockery of a trial, and, and uh Something started changing in my soul. I started feeling this enduring grit. Anger at what he went through, but then I thought of, he's going through this for me, and my weakness based on the opposition that I may, have I ever been slapped for my faith, for doing what he's called me to do? No. And there's just this, okay, I'm in. I'll run this race. Have what, take the world. Lord, I'm in this thing for you. And a renewed resolve to run with endurance, whatever that may look like. 
And so bringing it all together, whether you're a lion or a gazelle, when the sun comes up in Africa, you best be running. (laughs) And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, what God is telling us here today, run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. How? How do we run with perseverance? Eliminate and look. Eliminate what's slowing us down. Look to Jesus and run on. Back to verse 1. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. When he writes this, he's clearly writing it to motivate us. Guys, since you're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses back in, all these people who have walked by faith, Abraham, Noah, Moses, But why does he write this? And for many years, I thought the image was, and it may be this is the image in his mind, it was like the motivating effect on us should be we've got this crowd of people watching us, cheering us on. Based on like, okay, these are great people, great people of faith. They're in the crowd, so that ought to motivate me to run. But as I studied it out this week, I saw the word witness is not the word for spectator. And if the author wanted to have the word for spectator, he easily could have put, there's a word in gr- Greek for that. He chose the word witness. So what is the motivating effect of this? Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what are they testifying to? Witnesses is what a, you do in a courtroom. You testify to something. What truth are they testifying to? And what's the motivating power of, of Abraham and knowing all these people as we look back to them? What is it? It's this. You can trust God. You can trust him, right? 21 times in Hebrews 11, he says, by faith, by faith, by faith. The motivating impact of this great cloud of witnesses that should move us to run is you can trust the one you're following. God is faithful. Isn't that cool? And so today, may this just encourage us, encourage you in your journey. It's hard to eliminate, isn't it? To let go of these things that we treasure, that we want, that we think we have to have control. It feels like dying. It is. Jesus said, trust me. Trust me. Our hands often are so clenched that we can't receive what he wants to give us. And here he's saying, this process of of becoming like Christ, of of living out a life of blessing, it's going to mean you got to let go. Good things, sin that's tripping you up, let go of it. And then look to me. Look to me, look to me, and uh, run with perseverance, and he will be faithful. So what is it that God's nudging you to to let go of today? May I encourage you to just think about that, even in these moments, and and, uh, when it comes to mind, to let it go, and then to renew our resolve to fix our eyes on our Lord, to let him be our focus, and run with perseverance. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you. For these moments that you've given us, just to hear again this call to run with perseverance the race that you've marked out for us. Thank you, Jesus, for blazing the trail. Thank you that we don't run in our own power, but in the power that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for just the power also to shed and eliminate those things that are holding us back. And I pray over my own heart, over the hearts of my brothers and sisters here today that Whatever it is that we need to let go of, that uh, you would give us the grace to, to open up our hands, to give that to you, so that we might run with perseverance for your glory. 
God, and as we do, we pray that you would get the glory, that, uh, that we would be a blessing to the people around us. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.